Hey, we are in Sefer Yishayahu, Perik Kavches, Pasuk Aleph, Hoi Ateres Geus Shikore Ephraim. So we have seen that the past few um, prokim of Navi, Yishayahu is prophesying to what you would say is Achris Hayomim, in the end of days, after Golgumogo, the Mashiach has come, Israel is reunited, the primacy of the Jewish people and of the Kaddish Baruch is established worldwide. And now suddenly in Perik Kavches, we are being yanked back to the contemporaneous time of Yeshayahu. Uh, you will recall Yeshayahu's Novi career spanned some 86 years. And so that this particular period is the period before, right before the 10 Shratim, the Northern Kingdom is conquered by Ashur and sent into exile. It's exactly before that. And just as a, um, a preparatory understanding, when the Navi here uses the term Ephraim, it is shortcut for the Malchai Yisrael, uh, because quite simply Ephraim was the principal tribe, as Rashi says, of, Shevet, of uh, Malchus Yisrael, and the first king when they seceded was Yeruvah ben Nevat, who was also Ephraim, capital is Shomron, and Yeshayahu also uses a very interesting metaphor here, that of an individual drunk, a drunkard, on wine. In other words, he is intoxicated with wine. We're not sure, does that mean literally that they were drunkards at the time, or rather that they became so intoxicated, and this is the key to Yeshayahu, they became so intoxicated with the lifestyle of Gashmius, of acquisition. There was such a lust for material possession, such an obsession with acquiring wealth and acquiring pleasure that they lost all direction. They were rudderless. There was no Torah. By, there was no learning. Early, by the time of of uh, Asher, how how many years had had uh, Israel been separated from Yehuda? By the time of Asher. By the time of the, of the exile, how many? Um, it was um, at least, uh, it was over 300 years, I believe. I'll double check it. So it was 300 years yeah. of total... Separation. Yeah, and, and, and also, but they were, there was no period of time where Israel was actually doing well, and, you know, from a, a Torah perspective. Looks like not a minute, yeah. yes, yes. And so that is his thesis. His thesis is that they have become so hedonistically obsessed, there's no Torah, and that's a corollary. What he's saying, and we're going to develop it, is that if the individual or the people become so gashmius, so materialistically oriented, it's inconsistent with the life of Torah, which is subject to debate. But let us begin with Pasuk Aleph, and he is speaking to the ten Shvatim at this moment. Hoi Ateres Geus Shikre Ephraim, woe to you, the uh, 
crown of arrogance the drunkards of Ephraim. But since they veiled Sephisiparto, you were once the most beautiful glory, a flower of blossoming glory that is now withered. Since no veil, Sephisiparto, the glory is gone. Asher arosh geishmanim chalume yayin. Because you are at the head of a valley of fatness, literally, or what means geishmanim. You are just in pursuit of, of the good life. There's an arrogance born of that. And chalume yayin, chalume is hammered. You know, you hammer with a, a hammer. You're hammered with wine. You've lost all that you're drunk with this obsession to acquire wealth. Pasuk beis. Hinei chazak ba'ameitz ladonoi kizerem barad shar ketev kizerem mayim kabirim. In other words, Hashem has strong and very powerful weapons at his disposal. Specifically, we're going to get three of them. He has the power of as a stream of hail. Um, he has the, that's Kizerim Bora. He has the power of a windstorm. He has the power of flooding waters, like a Stramayim Kabirim. Shofim Heniach Oris Biyot. We will bring you down to the ground with these with these three tools at his disposal. And it is no coincidence that it is three different things mentioned, the, the hail, the water, um, the, uh, the windstorm, because Ashur destroys the kingdom of Israel in three separate phases, as we've seen. Moreover, it's three separate malachim uh, are in fact doing that. So, three... Again, the crown of arrogance, the drunkenness of Ephraim will be trampled, be trampled underfoot. Continues Again, that metaphor of a beautiful blossoming flower suddenly become, not suddenly, becoming like a dissipated valley of fat it will be, and this is an interesting metaphor, um, it will be like a ripening fig, the fig that comes before the summer harvest, and it is supposedly a prized commodity that it's going to be seized by whoever sees it, the farmer, he grabs that fig and swallows it. Uh, the farmer sees it also. It's still in his palm. He can't refrain from eating it. It is so anticipatedly delicious. And that's what you're going to be. You're going to be in the conquerors. They're going to pluck you like a fig and be unable to not consume you right there on the spot. Now, suddenly, Yishayahu switches focus from Malchai Yisrael to the then pride and joy of the Kaddish Baruch Hu, Malchai Yehuda, remember, under Chizkiah. It says, There he will be 
grow and blossom again the crowning glory, Lashar Amo, to the rest of the nation, specifically Yehuda. Remember, we've learned Chizkiyo was considered on the level of David HaMelech. He was considered for a well, as to be the Moshiach. But what he did, what he's most famous for, is the learning. He brought the Bachei Midrashos and the Bachei Kinesios as a Medrash. We learned that they went out and tested the people, there wasn't a person that didn't know the most intricate halachos or a young person. In China, he restored Torah, he restored justice, etc. And as we say in Pasuk Vav, Ulerevach Mishpat Liyosheva Mishpat Ulevura Mishire Malchama He did justice. It was fair, it was without fear or favor, it was without corruption. And he did it in Milchama Sha'ar. He brought all disputes to the gates of the city, where in those days, that's where you had uh, the trials. And he will display that spirit of justice. And now, sadly, as quick as they were praising Yehuda, suddenly it turns in Yehuda as well. Uh, says Pasuk Zion, Gam Ela, even these Biyayim Shagu Bashecher Tau, the metaphor of drunkenness, they become consumed with wine. Tau Kohen Venavi, the Navi and the Kohen, the leadership of the people, Shagu Bashecher, become drunk with wine. Nivlu Min Hayayin, Tau Min Hashecher, they err, they wander. Shagu Baroe Paku Palila. They um, go beyond the bounds of the law, so they are not immune. So what is this concept of just the drunkenness of, of materialism, etc.? So one, there's a beautiful um, medrash in the Masechta Shabbos, Zaf Kuf Mem Zayin Amud Beis, and let me read it to you. Amar Rav Chelba, Chamer de Pugliusa, the wine of Pugliusa, which the Mephoshim say this is the wine they're talking about. Umaya de Moses, that was the particular therapeutic baths that they pleasured in in the north of the Galilee. The people, the the wine and the water of Diamosis. Kipu Aseris Hashratim Yisrael deprived Israel of the ten tribes. There, it is as simple as, as this Gemara. That's what did it. Rabbi Eleazar ben Arach, and they give an example of a brilliant Tana, Rabbi Eleazar ben Arach, once came to that region of Puzia. Imshich Bitarayu, he became so attracted to these worldly delights, Iyake Tamudosa and all his Torah knowledge became erased, uprooted from his mind. Kihadar, when he returned from the region, Asakal uh, Mikre Bisafra, he got up to read from the Torah. He comes to the part we know in the Torah where this month is yours, Chodesh Nisan and Pesach. He had wanted to read that, and instead came out Omar Chodesh Hayolachem, meaning their heart was silent. The indication being he had forgotten his learning. By Rabbanon Rachmiel, the Rabbanon panicked at this once great Tana, having totally lost his learning, and 
Uh, they prayed to the Kaddish Baruch Hu and his learning returned. Um, and so again, we see the total loss, the total incompatibility that once you're sucked into this life of, of hedonistic pleasure in pursuit of material wealth, learning falls away. It's a corollary. It's a given. Um, continues the Navi, your tables, your lavish banquet tables that you eat day and night is filled with excrement. There's no room on the table. And this is interesting because the Mepharshim say, the Ratak says that what they did was they would fill up and just eat until they then go out and, and regurgitate and then come back in and eat more. Moreover, um, where it says there's no place, there was no makom for Torah. And so from this we learn a very interesting halacha. It says in Pirkei Avos, uh, in other words, three people sitting down to a meal together that do not speak Torah, it's like they're eating at the Karbanos of Avodah Zarah. It says in Ethics of the Fathers. And so we have, from that halacha, is that you've got to learn Torah, or speak Torah. That's where the concept of the draw Torah at the Shabbos table, etc., comes from. And some say there's an interesting halachic argument of a way, even if you don't do a draw Torah, you do benching, isn't that take the place? It has halacha, it has minhag, it has Yerashamayim. Uh, and the answer, most of the person says, no. Everyone benches. You don't use benching as a substitute for Divrei Torah. So there's got to be the Divrei Torah. Continues the Navi. Esmi Yoredeya. This is where we get the word Yoredeya. Who can you teach knowledge to? Esmi Yovin Shmuel. Who will understand a simple draw Torah? Gmule Mechalov Atike Mishadim. They have been weaned from their breast milk. They've been taken away from their nursing. So it Two things is meant by that. One, they've lost the source of the Torah, like a child taken away from its nursing mother. Or two, literally, the only people you can talk to or try to teach Torah is infants, suckling infants. In any case, no one is really caring about the limit of Torah. And now beautiful expression, it's poetic. Kavlakov, Kavlakov, Ze'er Shom, Ze'er Shom. What it means, it, it, it's poetry, is um, that who will learn, in other words, it is not uh, to try and teach them. There's, it's hopeless because Savlitsav, for every commandment you try to teach them, they have something else in Avodah Zorah. Kind of, oh no, we learn this in, a, in a, this way. Kabla Kav, the same thing. A limud, a rule. Uh, no, we've got something else. Zer Sham, Zer We don't, we substitute. They argue every single attempt to teach them halacha. Also, Kabla Kav, they chip away. They just chip away at the substance. Torah becomes a nuisance. 
uh, to them. A little rule here has the prohibition there. A little thing there is a prohibition here. They have absolutely no use for it. There's lag, there's um, uh, sarcasm, there's laughter, there's derision of the Limud HaTorah. Uh, and they just, is no ability to teach them. Uh, like the Kodesh Morcha was just trying to teach them. This is where you will get your your repose, your your tranquility. Take care of the weary. And and do what you are supposed to do. Engage in halacha, but they don't want to. To bother. And again, he repeats, You're a nuisance. You saying this, I'm going to show you this. And because of this, they will stumble, they will fail, they will fall, and they will be conquered. So, Let's conclude with a brilliant, and I mean brilliant, quote of Rav Schwab. The truth is, is it so totally compatible, incompatible, that you, you want material pleasures and that it has to be as a corollary, falls away the Torah? So, and I quote verbatim, when we look at Jewish life today, and this is a scathing, commentary on Jewish life today. We see a frightening resemblance to the conditions which Yeshayahu is describing here. After the destruction of Malchus Yisrael, the Navi looks at the remainder of the Jewish people, the Shah Amo, under the leadership of the great Sadiq Chizkiyahu, and sees that Vigam Ele, Biyayin Shavu Bashekharto, that they too follow the same path of the pursuit of luxuries and worldly pleasures, which eventually led to the downfall of Malchus Yisrael, the Chorben Beis Hamikdash, and Golas. In our times, says Roshwab, after the Holocaust, the survivors who had lost everything began rebuilding their lives in new surroundings. With the help of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, in a relatively short time, these survivors built up their economic lives again, and many even became very rich. Affluence and luxury began to become a way of uh, life, much more so than it ever was before the destruction in Europe. Without going into detail, suffice it to say that Jewish life today, even in the quote, from circles, has incorporated in itself the pursuit of luxuries, all of course with a quote, glot kosher stamp. This kind of life eventually gets under one's skin and one becomes softened by it. Even Kohen and Navi are affected by the prevailing culture of the pursuit of life of luxury, which Yishayel calls Shechar and Yayin. The pursuit of a luxurious life is a slippery slope to the softening and eventual abandonment of core Jewish values. 
that of the elevation of the Jew in his personal and public life by means of the strict adherence to Torah and mitzvahs to become the ideal human being and a role model for the world to emulate. And thus, we leave it in the hands of Rav Schraub, a terrifying prospect, especially this week of where we've been Mavara Chodesh Elul and are waiting for the start of Chodesh Elul. Atkan, there's very little one can add to this.